mission, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.org. The Times 1001, and you are tuned to WERUFM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next. Good morning, and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine. And like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, it used to be that people in rural areas had the healthiest diets. They were living close to where the food was grown and maybe even growing it themselves. And local general stores were providing customers whatever they couldn't produce locally. Over time, all that's changed. And many rural residents now find themselves at the very end of the food supply line. And maybe that supply line isn't delivering the healthiest of uh, food choices. And so today we're going to talk about healthy food options for Maine general stores. A great topic with our guests, Katie Friedman and Sandy Dubay, both of Healthy Acadia based in Ellsworth, but serving both Hancock and Washington counties. Welcome to you, Katie. Thank you, Ron. And to you, Sandy. Thank you. And I think we have on the phone uh, Dan Wallace. Dan is with CEI, um, and um, he's uh, going to help us with our topic this morning. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Dan. Thanks, Ron. Good morning. Well, first, I'll get a little bit of background on Healthy Acadia from both Katie and Sandy, and then I'll turn to you, Dan. Uh, Katie, give us a little bit of background on Healthy Acadia. Sure. Well, we are a community health organization, as Ron said, serving Hancock and Washington counties. Um, Our mission is to build vibrant communities um, and to help make the healthy choice the easy choice. Um, So we work in many different venues and um, across different sectors and with many different approaches in partnership with so many other wonderful organizations um, to ensure that people are able to lead healthy lives. And it's not just food. Absolutely. We um, also focus on um, substance use prevention, tobacco cessation, um, physical activity access in communities, um, working with um, chronic disease prevention and self-management and, uh, and many other things. Great. And Sandy, how about your, your emphasis in Healthy Acadia? What's your work? Well, I have a number of roles, and one of our major roles is a healthy general stores project that we'll be talking about today. And I'm also working on a grant from um, a HRSA grant, which is a government grant that is focusing on diabetes prevention programming. Mm. And it will also do chronic disease self-management and chronic pain self-management. And we'll be educating, um, working with healthcare facilities in, in the area and educating leaders to actually do trainings uh, with people that are diagnosed or have risk for 
chronic disease. Mm. And Healthy Acadia was one of those um, organizations that uh, was funded with tobacco settlement money earlier, and I suppose that's still going on, but you've expanded your your funding base, Katie. That's right. We are a Healthy Maine partnership, so we receive a contract from the Maine CDC um, to implement um, essential public health services across Hancock and Washington counties. And in addition to that, we also um, have private um, foundation grants and and federal grants that have allowed us to um, expand our work. Most of the work that we do um, under the food programs, which which I direct, um, are privately funded. Mm. And just, uh, again, a little background on some of the other food programs that you're working with. Sure. We have um, uh, a farm-to-school program that has been uh, running since 2005 um, in both counties, um, working to help build schools school gardens, teach kids about um, healthy choices, how to grow food and get healthier options um, into school cafeterias. We have a gleaning initiative in partnership with uh, University of Maine Cooperative Extension um, that helps to um, catalyze mutually beneficial relationships between food security organizations, food pantries, meal sites, and and local farmers um, and other food businesses. So we rescue food that would otherwise go to waste and uh, get it to folks in need um, across the two counties. We also implement um, Maine SNAP-Ed locally in both counties. So we have nutrition educators that um, offer um, community-based classes and also a lot of school and child care um, programming to um, help folks um, on a limited budget um, know how to make healthy choices. Um, and that's um, through a partnership with uh, University of New England. Um, and we also do a lot around um, uh, food, food security um, and anti-hunger work. Um, we work with farmers markets to help them um, accept SNAP and run double benefits programs so that um, folks can find it more affordable to shop from our wonderful local farmers markets across the region. Um, And we work with the summer meals program, so we help school districts primarily um, uh, establish and run um, summer feeding programs which help kids um, who are receiving free and reduced lunch during the summer um, make sure that they're they're also receiving um, food, or sorry, during the school year make sure that they have that option um, in the summer as well. Great. And Dan uh, Wallace uh, joining us by phone from CEI. First, Dan, a little bit of background. Oh, Dan, we, we've lost him um, temporarily. We'll get him back on the uh, on the phone as soon as we can. Um, for, uh, Sandy, a little bit more about um, this uh, healthy um, general store initiative, and Dan will give us more background. How did you first learn about it? And, and I think that came through Dan, but um, what, what can you tell us about it? Okay. Well, the Healthy General Stores Initiative actually started in Pennsylvania and with the Food Trust. It was one of the first programs to work successfully and kind of establish a pattern for Healthy General Stores. And since uh, then, it's kind of expanded nationwide, but at very small scale. And of course, uh, CEI was the organization that you know, obtained a grant that they shared with us to do the work in Hancock and Washington counties. Good, and I think we have Dan back with us. Dan, uh, thanks for your patience. Uh, here. <laughs> tell us first a little bit about CEI and, and its work, and then we'll f- uh, focus in on the Healthy General Stores Initiative. Sure. Um, CEI's uh, purpose is to help create economically and environmentally healthy communities in which all people can reach their full potential. Um, And we do that primarily by working with small businesses statewide um, and providing business development assistance 
and finance uh, to, to grow or expand their businesses. Um, we have a number of areas in which we work, including food and agriculture, which is what brings me to this project, um, but also uh, fisheries, child care facilities, affordable housing, and a, and a variety of others. So um, both both your organizations are um, doing um, really interesting work. Um, you're kind of filling in the gaps that our economic system might kind of leave people behind. It seems like you're, you're trying to uh, fill in those gaps in many ways. Yes, absolutely, and particularly getting resources, yeah, to folks who uh, often can't access support. Great. And so um, how did you first learn about the Healthy General Stores Initiative and, and uh, give us some background on that? Uh, sure. Um, I started at CEI in uh, late 2011 and was actually brought on to work on something called the Healthy Food Finance Initiative. Um, this is actually a national uh, program um, designed to uh, reduce the number, size, scale of food deserts around the country. Um, I don't know if we'll talk. Uh, hey, what's a food, about what's, food desert? What's later. a food desert? <laughs> what's a food desert? I've um, heard of the desert of Maine. But. <laughs> well, exactly. So, uh, food deserts um, are still somewhat highly debated, but in theory, this is an area where. You have a concentration of, of individuals, often population people, often low income, without a, a physical place to purchase uh, affordable food. Um, so just at its, at its core, that's what it's about. And those definitions have been debated quite a bit. And we've certainly looked at it quite a bit here in Maine because there are significant differences between what an urban food desert might look like a, a neighborhood that's been disinvested in, has no grocery store, but still has a lot of people um, versus sort of a very spread out, low population geography uh, here in Maine. But we can certainly imagine um, someone living in a rural area um, not too far from our radio station, and um, they're living away from uh, food centers like Bucksport or Bangor yeah. or yeah. Ellsworth, and their, their um, most frequent shopping might be at a local general store. Right, right, and you, you sort of fast-forwarded, um, but that's what gave rise to my thinking on this project was uh, how can we do this, this idea of healthy food finance, how can we work on this idea of food deserts in, a, in, in rural places, because Maine is obviously predominantly rural, and it seemed like uh, trying to figure out a way to work with general stores would be a, a great way to, to test it, to try it. And you're using kind of a national model um, and bringing that to Maine. Is that right? Uh, we, I, I was familiar with something called the Healthy Corner Store Network, uh -huh. um, which, as I think Sandy was just discussing, um, the Food Trust has been very involved in. That is a little bit more of an urban model, um, as you can tell from the name, working with the, with the corner stores. Um, but the, you know, the kernel of that work was simply about supporting small food retailers, small food store owners, um, to offer healthy choices to their customers. Um, so we were able to take that, that kernel, that core work, and begin to think about um, what that would look like uh, here in Maine. Hmm. 
I can remember as a as a child um, being sent by my grandmother down to the to the neighborhood or the corner store. She didn't have a car and she couldn't get to um, a supermarket in the city of uh, Keene, New Hampshire, and so she depended on the corner store um, for all of her groceries. So it's it's certainly um, that that doesn't go back that many years, um, and that's probably still the case in many urban areas. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and it, again, in an urban area, you might not have a vehicle. You know, it might take several uh, uh, pieces of a, of, a, of a bus schedule or bus route to get you to a grocery store. Um, and, and then carrying your groceries back from that store can be challenging um, for a variety of folks. Um, that's a little more urban, but it's certainly not unknown here either, uh, whether it's access to a car or simply a long distance that you have to travel to get to a service center. So a lot of folks do get uh, at least fill-in food at the, at the general store, and sometimes the options are not um, uh, particularly healthy. <laughs> right. And, and you've been working with um, small businesses, um, uh, grocery stores and so on. Um, what's their business model? Um, how, how there must be um, a difficult intersection between um, healthy food and the local business, uh, the local general store business model, perhaps. There are some challenges, um, quite, <laughs> quite a number, actually. Uh, so I think I'll focus in on a few. But um Again, thinking about the very small stores, these small uh, format stores, a couple thousand square feet, um, there's simply the challenge of space in the stores um, as one issue. Um, if you're, you know, where to put it, how, many, how much cooler space you've got, just kind of packing everything in in a way that works um, and, and enables the consumers to find things in the store. Um, there's a challenge, particularly if stores are interested in fresh products, uh, the challenge of perishability um, and, the, and the challenge of sales volume. Um, so if you bring in a lot of produce, um, you might sell some of it, but some of it might also go to waste. And in a small format store, um, you simply can't afford, afford that waste. Um, another, uh, another challenge I'll mention is um, product availability for the stores. So this starts to talk about their wholesale chain, their suppliers. Um, and a lot of these stores actually uh, don't have suppliers that either um, have healthier products uh, in their product lines or can sell them an appropriate amount for their store. They might only sell like a case or X number of pounds, which might be more than the the, the small store can sell. So um, I'll just remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking about healthy food options for Maine general stores. On the line with us is Dan Wallace of CEI, and also here in the studio, Katie Friedman and Sandy Dubay of Healthy Acadia will welcome your phone calls a little bit later in the, in the hour. Um, Sandy, uh, um, Katie, anything to add to Dan's kind of background picture? Katie? Well, I would just add, um, I mean, we're so thankful to CEI for having reached out to Healthy Acadia to begin implementing this work um, in Hancock and Washington counties. Um, there was a really um, great fit, a really good partnership between the organizations. Um, and um, we um, looked at a map, actually, that was developed in, in partnership with the Food Trust um, that helped us identify 
um, what areas um, would be the the most sort of logical to to, to do this work? Um, Where are the small rural general stores that are in communities that are um, a significant distance from a service center town like Ellsworth um, and that also have um, high rates of um, diet-related disease and, and, uh, and poverty in those communities. So um, we focused in on um, northern and eastern Hancock County and western Washington County um, to begin this work. Um, and so we're working with six stores in that area now um, and, and, um, and, and may eventually expand to additional stores as well. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that we're also now partner sh- partnering with Eastern Maine Healthcare Systems um, on a larger grant covering seven counties um, called PITCH, which stands for Partnerships to Improve Community Health. Um, and so we are going to be helping, um, together with CEI and the Food Trust, we're going to be helping to train um, other Healthy Maine partnerships like Healthy Acadia across the seven-county region um, to to implement this work in, in general stores in, in all of those communities. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go to Sandy. Sandy, remind us why healthy eating is important to our health and, and what are some of the, um, the impacts of not eating a particularly healthy diet in terms of uh, cost to um, individuals or cost to society? What are some of those implications? Well, I think, you know, healthy eating, I, we all hear about it all the time. The message is there. Um, but taking action is one of the biggest challenges. And so um, one of the things that we do find with healthy eating is that it does reduce chronic disease. And in both Hancock and Washington County, we have very, as well as throughout the state, we have very high rates of chronic disease. And, and what do you mean by chronic disease? Oh, uh, heart disease, um, diabetes. Things and, that are over well, a long period diabetes. of time that generally deteriorate your your health. That's right, Right. and require medical care. Mm -hmm. And uh, food is one of those wonderful things that is uh, preventative, and you can eat healthier foods. If you do eat healthier foods, you'll find that overall your health will be better in the long run. And um, I I know from my own background, um, healthy food is often food that's not processed. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I mean, tell us a little bit about that equation and, you know, just a little bit more about that. Well, the the less processed foods um, are healthier in general. They don't have the added salts or the fat added or the processing that acts you know adds the salts and the and the fats. And so they they are healthier choices for us. So the wholer that you can eat the food, um, the better off you are as far as your health goes. And Dan, back to you. Um, certainly, as we think about um, uh, local general stores, and and what Sandy's just described, there's some kind of a um, um, there's a there's a divide there between what local general stores are are able to sell because of their marketing and um, what they can get. So, tell us a little bit more about um, the work you're doing with um, to attract uh, general stores to this concept. Well. We've designed a, a, a program that tries to work uh, with the store owners, as we've been discussing, but also with the supply chain, uh, which is to say the folks that the store owners buy from, and to work with um, both uh, uh, our, our conventional wholesalers, but also um, connecting stores directly to local farmers, mm. um, which is something that's important to both uh, CEI and, and Healthy Acadia. Um, and then we also are working with consumers in the stores in order to do some taste testing and uh, hand out some recipes. So 
we're trying to provide sort of a comprehensive suite of services that begins to act with all these different groups that come together in the stores to begin to change uh, a little bit of the dynamic. Um, the supply chain might be the most challenging, though we've, we've, we've developed some wonderful relationships. Um, but figuring out, again, how to get these products onto the, onto the trucks um, of the larger wholesalers in, in appropriate quantities continues to be a trick. And what kinds of incentives are you thinking about in terms of what's in it for the, for the general store owner and, and I suppose the, the supply chain um, folks? What's in it for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, the, the store owners, I think, are, um, are, are receiving a number of <laughs> benefits. Um, we are attracting customers to the stores. Um, we are providing uh, what we call technical assistance if the store owners are interested. So that might be a little support in march merchandising their stores, setting up their stores. We're doing a modest amount of marketing. Um, we're also providing some mini grants to the stores to help them um, with any infrastructure. Maybe it's a, a small cooler or a shelving unit in order to help them uh, place the products, the healthy foods in the stores. Uh, so we're, we're trying to really incent the store owners. Um, the supply chain, uh, we're still figuring that one out, <laughs> although I, I hope Sandy will have a chance to speak to the the farmer's market that started at one of the stores. But it feels like we're opening up markets um, for local farmers, uh, which is helping them uh, with their business. Right, right. And, and in other areas, are you working in other parts of Maine? Um, not not oh, okay. on this yet, yep. although we do yep. hope to replicate soon. Good. Well, Sandy, um, you've been working directly with store owners to, to gauge their interest in this. What are some of the reactions that you've, you've heard so far? What, what are the, our store owners telling you? Well, um, one of our stores is the Tideway Market on Route 1 in Hancock. And that market's uh, owned by Scott um, Madrell, and he has been very um, supportive of this project, really had wanted to become involved because he had said that customers were starting to ask for healthier uh -huh. options. Right. And one of the things that he thought was interesting was it started out being just kind of vacationers and travelers through that asked, but then uh, ultimately local individuals started wanting more healthy products. So um, since he tries to be a full-service uh, store, he decided to start incorporating things. So he was very uh, appreciative of Healthy Acadia, CEI, and the Newman Foundation to support um, provide incentives and support and technical assistance to, to move forward to offer healthier choices in his store. So it sounds like in that example and perhaps in others, um, there is a, um, a part of the overall market, um, the customers, who want healthier choices. Mm -hmm, definitely. And so that's going to, again, as, as Dan was saying, we're looking at the whole system, so we have to kind of tinker with everything at the same time. Right. Yeah. There, there are a lot of moving parts, yeah. that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I think one of the trends that we saw many years ago was like Irving started offering bananas for 49 cents a pound. And that was kind of like a convenience store 
concept of having fruit available, and they had a lot of signage on the roads. Um, what we are dealing with are small general stores that don't have that big buying power. Uh-huh. And so one of the challenges is they might have to pay over a dollar a pound themselves for bananas. And so it's really hard to make it worthwhile, especially with a perishability of something right, like that. Right. So um, anyway. Dan, what would you add to um, this story at this point? What am I, am I missing at this point? <laughs> um, wow. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. That's all right. That's all right. That's my fault, <laughs> not, that not yours. You've done a good job, uh, certainly covering the covering the overall arc of it. I would say that you know I'll, I'll add just that an immediate next challenge is that we need to figure out how to sustain and build through the winter months. And yes. We've had a lot of successes in the in the busier summer months, um, but it's really what is yet to come that is perhaps the most difficult. And what's, what were your hopes? Um, you know, you've, you've invested a lot of time. CEI has invested a lot of time. What, after five years, what would you hope right, to have right. accomplished in, in all of this work? Well, the, our long-term hope and our long-term vision is, you know, on the one hand, simply that stores do have some uh, healthy choices for consumers in the stores. We believe strongly that there is demand out there and there is a market out there and that this will support both the customers in the stores and their healthy eating choices, but also the bottom line uh, for the store owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I, I have the opportunity to be connected to some national network through my work. And this healthy food initiative, healthy food finance, has had a lot of um, uh, legs in urban communities, but not so much in rural. Um, so I think that what we're doing here is potentially... Um, really interesting to a lot of r- rural communities around the country. Um, if we can share some successes, establish some best practices, uh, I'd love to share this with folks uh, in, uh, around the country to help them um, sort of bridge, bridge the gap. And, and we know that Maine is a real innovator in terms of growing um, local food. Um, we're attracting um, young people into um, the profession of farming. And um, the average age of farmers is evidently um, um, going down in Maine, where in the rest of the nation it's going up. Um, so there's something about Maine that that's, that's provides a, a really interesting place for this kind of work to happen. Absolutely, I would agree. I mean, and then there's so much energy and, and, and interest around this right now. Um, you know, in the in the broader lens, um, growing, processing, or, or manufacturing value-added foods can be a real economic driver for a natural resource state like Maine. So there's real opportunity here on a, on a broad level. So, you know, we, we're talking about something very discreet um, with the healthy general stores, but it's a, it's a piece of a, of a larger economic puzzle. Great. And, Dan, um, if you'd leave um, listeners with some information about CEI, where they might learn more about um, your general work and, and your partnership um, in, in this effort. Sure. Um, so our website is ceimain.org, uh, uh, and there's a ton of information there. Sure. Um, you can, uh, listeners can reach out to me at any point, um, and my email is dwallace at ceimain.org. But also um, just visiting our, our websites, we don't have a lot, ours and Healthy Acadia's, we don't have a lot up about the Healthy General Store yet. 
but we are beginning to work on that. So in the next month or two, there should be more. Great. Uh, but that's really the hub. Great. Dan Wallace from CEI, thanks so much for being with us here on Talk of the Towns. Yeah, thank you. Great. And uh, I think we'll take a very short break, and then we'll come back and talk with our guests, Katie Friedman and Sandy Dubay, both of Healthy Acadia, about healthy food options for Maine general stores. Community Radio keeps you in touch with your local community and the wider world. WERU helps to identify the linkages and relationships at work around the globe, while at the same time informing you about things happening right here in Maine. If this community radio station is important to you as a source of information and understanding, please call 1-800-643-6273 right now to pledge your support. You can also make a secure contribution online at www.weru.org. Your financial support pays for training and equipment used by local volunteer reporters and program hosts on this station and helps to support the acquisition of vital national programs as well. Call 1-800-643-6273 and pledge your support for the station that really knows that all things are connected. WERU. This is Pledge Drive Week, um, and we really encourage you to help us out, um, both, both new members and um, the overall dollar amount. We're very close, um, and we really welcome that support. That phone number, if you're interested in pledging, is 1-800-643-6273. Thanks so much for your support. Here um, on Talk of the Towns, we're talking about healthy food options in connection with Maine General Stores, and our guests here in the studio are Katie Friedman and Sandy Dubay of Healthy Acadia. Um, in a minute, I'll list our, our call-in number, and we'll invite your um, calls with your thoughts and, and uh, questions. Um, perhaps we could talk a little bit more about the, the stores themselves. Who's, who's um, ha- have you approached, and who's interested, Sandy? Okay. Well, we actually have six stores that are actively participating in this project right now in Hancock and Washington counties, and we really appreciate their participation, their willingness to step out on a limb and try this new type of uh, concept, because in communities, the culture is not really mentally prepared to think, I can go to a convenience store and get healthy foods. Right. So um, these, these folks are innovators, and uh, this includes the Amherst General Store, Franklin Trading Post, Hancock General Store, Matthews Country Store in Steuben, and Otis General Store, and the Tideway Market on Route 1. So we really appreciate their involvement with this. Um, it's exciting to see some of the things that they're doing uh, individually as stores, too. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about that. I understand there's a farmer's market that's that's um, being tried out. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that at the Franklin store? Certainly. Uh, The owner of the Franklin store, Tim Benson, Benson, and uh, when we first started talking to him about this uh, project, he said, you know, I really would like to have a farmer's market out in my parking lot. And, you know, it's like, okay, that's a little bit different than what we were thinking about with this project, but we thought we'd go with it. And uh, so we have worked hard connecting with local growers. Um, He's offered the space on his parking lot and um, it's really wonderful. Every Saturday morning now, we have a farmer's market right there at the Franklin Trading Post. Well, that's a, a brilliant strategy because it takes some of the risk that um, he would normally have to do if he was going to bring those vegetables and other products into the store, takes some of the risk out. But he's also you know, providing a base, and he may get some customers who are coming to the farmer's market who also want to get something else. That's correct. Great. And Great. Uh, one of the things uh, I do want to do a shout-out for the dedicated farmers that are participating in that, which includes uh, the Scudic View Farms 
and uh, Shalom Orchards and the Top Notch um, Farm in Cave uh, in Waltham. Great. So they're all, you know, very dedicated. You know, a farmer's market to get one going is a kind of a very slow process, and I would encourage all listeners to participate. <laughs> we always do on WERU. Katie, what would you add to some of the things that the, that the market owners are thinking about and, and struggling with? Sure. Just to add really quickly to what Sandy was saying, another model that we're looking at is um, a farm stand at farmer's markets also. So we haven't actually built one of these farm stands yet, but um, if, if we have you know a store owner that's interested and the right growers that are interested, we would love to um, build a farm stand um, on the property that could potentially be staffed by different farmers on different days of the week um, so that you know customers might have a consistent schedule um, you know Tuesdays Thursdays and Saturdays from noon to four there's going to be a farmer at the at the store and they can they can always access produce there at least during the summer months um, and we're also um, interested in in supporting um, these stores also in, in buying in product from local farmers although as you mentioned it, it can be more challenging um, to take on the risk of the perishability of those products so the farmers market has been a big hit um, for a number of reasons and Sandy's been doing um, taste test demos um, at the market as well well um, with a wonderful intern that we've had this summer, Katie Fennelly, um, and they've been sampling some of the locally grown produce um, in some interesting recipes, and, and that's been a really big hit too, and one of the ways that we are really trying to provide that additional level of support as Dan was describing, um, to encourage customers to, um, you know, maybe maybe take a leap and try something new that they haven't tried before. Or when it's taking place in the store, you know, we're going to be taking um, ingredients from the store. For example, last summer we did a pasta salad recipe um, at the Tideway Market. So we had a whole wheat pasta that they had begun to carry um, and a dressing that you could find on the shelf. Um, and and we, we mixed in a, a combination of some canned and some fresh um, vegetables um, and made a delicious pasta salad and gave out samples um, in the store with an ingredient, you know, a recipe and ingredient list that they could purchase. So we'll be doing more of that um, moving forward as well. We'll come back to some more examples, but I do want to list our call-in number in case there are listeners out there. This is a beautiful day, so I can imagine there's not a lot of listeners um, out there today, but maybe there are, and then maybe they don't want to talk about our healthy food options in Maine General Stores. Give us a call at one 866 625-9378. That's one 625 That brings you right into the studio. Um, Sandy, what are other examples of some of the things you're doing with some of these general stores? Well, uh, I think Dan mentioned some of the display units that we're, we're helping the stores set up. Um, we're also looking at marketing materials like signage that is so critical to draw people's eye to something that is new or a change in the store, both roadside signage as well as in the stores, um, alerting to people to, okay, here's the rack of bread. Which one is the 100% whole wheat bread? And, uh, you know, this is your milk cabinet. Now, which one is the healthier choice, choosing low-fat milks? Mm. Um, just some little labeling to kind of trigger people's thought process. And you mentioned that at uh, Tideway Market, um, some of the first customers who were asking for healthier choices were summer residents, summer visitors, um, that sort of thing. Is that part of the mix of, of a, a local general store's um, uh, kind of customer base this time of year, summer summer folks? Yes, definitely. And, and they really depend on their summer travelers to support the business because many of the businesses drop 
off significantly in in the winter and the fall. Um, so that's a critical part of their mm. businesses. Mm. So. Were, were you, did you get some resistance from store owners? What were some of their their? Dan has mentioned a lot of the challenges, but were there some initial thing hurdles that they had to kind of get over? Um, Katie. Sure. Um, well, we certainly had a few store owners that we approached early on last year with this project that that simply weren't interested in participating, maybe just weren't ready or, or just don't see the benefit um, for, for any number of reasons. Um, so there are, are those that chose not to participate, but for the, the store owners that are participating, um, you know, some of the concerns were, um, you know, people are sort of the set in their ways, their customers, um, or who they perceive as their customers. Um, so, you know, the, the, we've had store owners tell us, you know, the, the most unhealthy thing I could possibly put on the menu is the thing that's going to sell the most. Uh And what we're trying to say is let us help you make that a slightly healthier version of itself. So if you're serving meatloaf and gravy, um, can we add in um, more low-fat turkey um, and other ingredients that are going to take down the sodium content and the fat content of that meal? Um, You know, can you add in some shredded um, zucchini um, to the recipe to add in some nutrients? um, That That sounds, uh, that's diabolical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we like to sneak it in often uh you know school cooks are doing the same thing sneaking in shredded vegetables into the um, pasta sauce and kids might not even know it's there but they're um they're increasing their nutritional intake and and meeting those federal requirements for the amount of fruits and vegetables that they have to serve to kids every day so we're definitely trying some innovative strategies we're working with some of the store owners to add in a a whole grain um pizza crust um so pizza is a very popular grab and go item at many of these stores um can we have a whole grain option with a low-fat cheese and and vegetables um we also have store owners that are looking at adding gluten-free crust because they know that that's a growing market trend and there are a lot of people that are intolerant to gluten and that are, are requesting that um but i think the biggest concern is is that people won't buy it and and Dan um, alluded to this also, and it's really important to acknowledge again and again um, the prices that um, they that the store owners can purchase some of these products at are more expensive than what you would pay if you went to Walmart and purchased that same item. So the market dynamics are not necessarily working in favor of having fresh produce um, on the shelves of these stores. so that's Because they're so small. They yep. can't order in the volume that then brings a discount. So what um, st- stores are offering really is um, some convenience um, because they're closer. Um, and um, so you're having to pay for that convenience. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one other thing I would say, um, we, we piloted this project last year and we were really focusing on the grocery items. Um, and, and what we realized um, was that we we felt we could make a bigger impact. Um, certainly, having you know a low sodium bean on the on the shelf or fruit that's canned in one hundred percent juice instead of um, heavy syrup, um, or having a whole grain bread. You know those things are very very important, and people are getting their groceries at these stores. Um, but we have folks that are eating um, sometimes breakfast and lunch at these stores almost every day. They're uh-huh. they're really a community hub, right. um, and people are going there and have been going there for years. Um, and so the the menu items um, is something that we're um, taking a stronger focus on this year and really trying to support them um, to um, add a salad option have a combo meal where you can get um, a sandwich that's made on whole grain bread and an apple and a water. 
um, for, for, a, for a set price or something and, like that. And some of the stores are trying that. And certainly, we've certainly seen that kind of example in our fast food um, operations. Mm-hmm. They've begun adding healthy options, and I, they wouldn't be doing that if there weren't a market out there. Right. I'll list our phone number one more time. It's uh, uh, 1-866-625-9378 um, to get in touch with us here at Talk of the Towns as we talk about healthy food options for Maine general stores. That's one 625 9378 Please give us a call with your question or comment. What else would you add about the, the, uh, the uh, reactions and, and concerns and some of the successes um, that you've seen, Sandy? Well, I'll, I'll go back to the... Um, challenge one of the challenges okay, yes. and um, a lot of the stores you know they're the items that they are able to market at a convenience store what people expect to buy are subsidized by the big companies oh. and they actually buy floor space or provide a cooler or something that you know is restricted to their products only and so this is a challenge for the store owner because they know those products sell in their store and there's a decent profit margin especially if they sign on to these project you know to these purchases and so that they um get make a higher profit margin so they're kind of in a conundrum there as trying to take away store space for a product that they might not make as much profit on or and is perishable i suppose um, that that also has to do with um educating customers as, as to what they're what they're seeing and what they're um, being enticed to buy in a store um, based on that kind of um, in-house marketing. Right. And there is a lot of education that I am doing, like as far as helping the store owner understand, like, okay, different fruits produce ethylene gas, which causes other fruits to ripen more quickly. So you don't set two ethylene gas producing fruits right next to each other. So there is a whole education process that's going along with this, um, as well as just marketing tips, you know, Uh where you place your items for to sell the things more quickly. You you put your bananas at eye level because they are very perishable as opposed to your potatoes can go on a lower shelf. Um, so there's there's a lot of education that goes along with this. Mm-hmm. And um, the the reactions of, of uh, you've mentioned the farmer's markets, but how about, uh, Katie, the local other local suppliers who might be trying to sell product in the store? Um, how is that working? Well, we have... Um, we, we've worked with a few other farmers in addition to the um, farmers um, that are participating in the Franklin Farmers Market um, and um, who are selling product directly to these stores. Um, many of those relationships existed before we started um, um, promoting this project. So there certainly are um, stores that have, um, you know, a, a very small scale grower, a market gardener right down the road um, who in the summer months will, will have their product on the um, on the counter um, or available in the store. Um, and we, we would like to see more of that. Um, and and also interested in, um, you know, are there other food producers um, or distributors um, who would be um, interested in selling um, products to these stores? Um, I think one of the things that the store owners are learning, and, and there are many wonderful companies that are producing value-added, um, pro, you know, shelf-stable um, canned goods, um, you know, that are that are made with main sourced ingredients that could be a real um, draw, um, particularly in the summer months for um, maybe visitors to Maine who are stopping in at these stores, um, but I think also for um, for year-round customers. Um, there, I, I, I feel that there's a market for that type of thing in these stores, um, and, and some of them have it and some of them don't, so we're, we're definitely encouraging that as well. So looking for uh, products that are uh, made 
uh, in Maine using Maine products and having store owners say, oh, I can help our customers going to support a Maine-based business. And many people say, yeah, I'll take that choice over the commercial, the national commercial brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And you do see in some of these stores, you know, like a a Maine display case that Mm -hmm. will have, you know, your blueberry blueberry jam and things like that, which is really, really wonderful to see. And I I think there's room for more of that. 1-866-625-9378. Please give us a call if you'd like to participate in our conversation about healthy food options and main general stores with our guests, Katie Friedman and Sandy DeBay of Healthy Acadia. So um, what what are your hopes? What Where do you want to take this program um, over the next several years? Katie? Well, like Dan said, we'd love to see healthy options in these stores. I mean, that's that's the biggest measure of success um, at at the local level. Um, we'd like for we'd like to be able to you know prove to the store owners that this is a good business opportunity for them. Um, in addition to providing um, you know a, a kind of a public service to their community, um, and we certainly have heard that. For example, the owner of the Franklin Trading Post, um, he has has mentioned again and again. Um, um, he knows people in his community, elderly residents that are not able to get out. They don't have transportation, particularly in the winter. Um, it's it's hard to get to Ellsworth, um, and and he wants to be doing more to serve those customers. And that was part of the reason that he supported the farmers market because he knew that um, that that they need access to fresh produce right there in the community. Mm. Let's take a phone call um, from Ruth in Southwest Harbor. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, uh, just a quick comment i'll take it off the air i was just wondering if your guests could talk a little bit about anything they might be doing for different age groups are they targeting particularly you know older younger how are we dealing with kids who also might be frequenting these stores and i'll i'll listen off air thanks great well thanks so much for your call this morning one 625 so age-related um katie that's a great question, and, and maybe Sandy can speak to it. I'll just take a, a stab at it. I mean, it's not something that we've put a huge amount of emphasis on, um, but certainly, um, you know, one thing that I notice as a parent um, of a six-year-old is, you know, I will stop at stores like this um, when we're traveling throughout the state um, and often find, like, oh, there's really nothing here that I want to feed my child. Um, so, you know, having, you know, grab-and-go snacks when you're on the road that are a healthier choice for kids, you know, a little fruit cup, um, and, and some of the stores have been doing fruit cups, which is great, a great addition, um, you know, ch- string cheese and things like that. I mean, there there definitely are kind of low um, low barrier, you know, easy options that, that, that can be added um, that can be a great choice for, for kids and adults alike. I don't know, Sandy, if you want to add anything? Well, many of the stores, one of the things we did as an incentive was to provide a little a tiered basket that they could put on their counter. Tiered? Be- tiered mean different layers. Okay, yes. Okay, so that it could hold different types of fruit or whatever. And they have been very successful having fruit on the counter or snacks that are healthier, um, like nuts or something in, in these baskets. But the fruit is especially popular. And, you know, bananas and apples and trying to increase the varieties that they offer has mm-hmm. been... Uh, one something that most of the stores that I'm working with have have implemented, and, so. and it helps to create a balance between you know what kids are seeing at eye level, which is primarily candy, um, but also having fruit at eye level as well. I think is 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 a service to those kids um, in in what they're exposed to on a daily basis. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight to participate in our conversation, and we have uh, Michael on the line from Swanville. Please go ahead with your question or comment, please. 
Um, I, I, I have three items in mind that I asked to, asked to bring to my local store, and so far two out of three were brought, and they've been a hit. Um, one, a higher quality of egg, like a, like a, uh, a farm, a local farm sourced egg, which is a very shelf stable product. So it's not, you know, it's not a big risk to the, um, to the store to carry a better quality egg. And two, uh, I asked for, you know, fill in the brand, wink, wink, but a, a, an organic yogurt to be available, just a plain one. And believe it or not, that when that came into the store, that began selling off the shelf. And the third one is uh, dried fruit and nuts. Those three things alone uh, would turn just about any corner store in a rural town into a place where you could get seriously life-sustaining, nutritious food if you were like the housebound elderly person or anyone else who's, who couldn't get to town on a regular basis. Just saying. And Michael, it sounds like you as a customer, um, you took the initiative. I did. Actually, I was working there at the time. I was cutting meat. Okay. And and did you encounter resistance, or did people say, yeah, I'll try that? I, Rob uh, Newcomb at Swan Lake Grocery is the best grocer anywhere. <laughs> great. Great. Well, thanks so much for your call. Those are great suggestions. That was uh, Michael from Swanville. Um, um, have you thought about those kinds of things? The, the, kind of that, that use the term shelf-stable. I love that mm-hmm. term. Yeah, I... Actually, that's a fantastic suggestion, the local egg. I don't think that's something that we've really explored. Um, and there are so many, you know, folks. It doesn't It doesn't have to be, um, you know, a big organic farm that's producing a lot of eggs. It can be just, you know, uh, someone down the road that has, you know, 10, 12 chickens. Um, and, and they can produce enough eggs potentially to supply stores like this. Um, so that's definitely something I think that we'll look into. Yeah. I certainly appreciate those suggestions. And if any other callers have ideas, um, I'm always looking for things that you have suggested to store owners that they've tried and have been successful or that haven't even. But um, that kind of feedback is very helpful to us as we work on this project. one 625 9378 Perhaps you've um, suggested something to a local store owner. They've tried it and it's worked. We'd love to hear about that. one 625 9378 Well, this brings to, to mind the, the whole um, role of the consumer, the customer. And um, as uh, Dan said earlier in the program, um, from CEI, this is a whole system approach. You have to be working on all of the parts at the same time. What's been your reaction from customers um, as you've introduced those e- either in the taste um, sessions in, in stores or elsewhere? Sandy? Well, we've had, with the taste testing, we had incredibly positive responses. We tried things in different ways, foods that people hadn't tried before that we purchased from the farmer to prepare the food so that they knew that they could go to the farmer at the market right right afterwards. Um, Kale salads um, with different types of dressings. One was a homemade. And people had just said, oh, I don't like kale. And then they tried it, and it's like, (laughs) wow, this is good. And a kale pesto that we made. Um, with garlic scapes, which everyone doesn't know what, no one knows what to do with garlic scapes. And so we uh, made a pesto out of it and, and people absolutely loved it. So it, it was really introducing people to new tastes. And one of the things we have to really keep in mind is the budget too, as far as, we, you know, when we t- test recipes, what, what's affordable for them. And so I, I think that as we move on this project, you know, that's one of the things that we're really considering. But an interesting statistic that I will mention to everybody is that 160 million people visit a convenience store every day. Mm. 
And if you think about that, that's a huge number of people that are really depending on the convenience store for some of their nutrition and um, 80% of gas is actually purchased at convenience stores also. Mm, so mm. Um, a great, uh, so it really fills a niche and a need in, in the, in the country. So if you were to give advice to um, the consumers out there, what would you tell them? And um, would you tell them like Michael did in Swanville? He happened to be working at the store, but um, would you say, gee, I'd like to have some organic yogurt. Um, could you see about ordering that in? Is that the best approach? I absolutely. Um, I, the store owners are very receptive. They want to be, you know, selling products that their customers want to buy. I mean, that's why they're in the business, um, and they 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 don't have an interest in having you know products on the shelf that people are not going to buy. So they do want to hear from you. Um, and I, I can say from experience, um, you know, many of the store owners that we've spoken with have have brought up. Um, um, experiences where they've brought in a new item. Um, Gluten-free is a great example. Um, That's something that they hear about regularly um, and and that they've started stocking some options um, for folks that are gluten-free. So that's that's an area where they're responding to a clear market demand. And I think, um, you know, that's just just one. There are many, um, many types of ways of eating. Um, the, and and these stores could certainly be catering to more um, of that, and, and they do want to hear from you. Mm. Anything to add, Sandy? Well, just some of the innovations that are being tried is, like, instead of just offering sandwiches or pizza as a choice, they're offering a salad that they can take the same sliced meat, same sliced chicken, same tuna salad, and put it on a, uh, on a salad, a bed of lettuce, and, you know, and they have to figure out which kind of things have the best uh, longevity, too. Mm-hmm. So your iceberg lettuce turns brown pretty quickly, but they've discovered that some of your other lettuces, which are actually have a lot more nutrition, um, have a longer shelf life. So it's, it's, they're trying to figure out what the customer wants, but they're trying to offer a mm-hmm. lot of options. So, um, Sandy, perhaps uh, you could help us with the question, is this all making a difference. You've been involved in nutrition for your career. Um, tell us a little bit about what you see that, that, that all of these efforts, are they making a difference? Definitely making a difference. Mm. I think the trends in the country nationwide are that people are interested in healthier foods. We're seeing a lot more education in schools, better school lunches, restaurants offering healthy menu items, uh, having to put calorie counts on their menus for your larger restaurant areas, and people wanting to have local produce also. Um, So there is definitely a trend for these um, types of additions Mm -hmm. to a store that can be economically feasible. And, uh, Katie, you work a lot with um, growers and and producers of food. Um, Is this making a difference for them, this whole conversation, not just the general store initiative, but this whole conversation about where people get their food? I absolutely think so. Um, I mean, there's the the most tangible benefits of the the three farmers that are participating in the Franklin Farmers Market. They have a new market opportunity that wasn't there before. Um, But I think this is all part of the conversation. And I think we're bringing this conversation about, you know, being mindful about what you're eating and and where it's coming from and, and what the implications of that are 
to sort of a new venue, you know, a convenience store, general store, maybe isn't the place um, that you that those conversations are typically happening, but it's beginning to happen in, in a whole new type of venue. Um, and, and we will be expanding the conversation. Um, as I mentioned um, earlier, this is uh, we're, we're partnering with EMHS and USCDC through a partnership to improve community health grant that's enabling us to bring this work to um, five additional counties in addition to Hancock and Washington counties. Um, and that will be um, that will be impacting the stores, the consumers, the suppliers, and the growers in in those regions as well. Um, and I'd also like to take this minute also just to thank the Newman's Own Foundation, um, which provided the the core funding for this work through CEI. Oh, that's great! And uh, contact information for Healthy Acadia. We are at healthyacadia.org. My email address is katie, K-A-T-I-E, at healthyacadia.org. Sandy is sandy, S-A-N-D-I-E, at healthyacadia.org, and we would love to hear from you. Great. Well, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, We've come to that time when I want to remind listeners that you have uh, been listening to Talk of the Towns, produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. And this is the end of the uh, Pledge Drive, and we hope that you'll participate both as uh, members, sustaining members, new members, and uh, help us reach our goals. Um, join us on the on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Um, please listen to Coastal Conversations, which now happens on the fourth Friday of each month with Natalie Springle. Thanks again to our guests here in the studio. We had both Katie Friedman and Sandy DeBay of Healthy Acadia. And joining us by phone was Dan Wallace of CEI. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning.